everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, September 19th, 2019. Again, I'm on this new platform that uh, YouTube came up with, so I have no idea what I sound like. Presumably, I'm sounding okay. But uh, there is a lot of weirdness going on right now with this Saudi oil production facility, Aramco, Saudi Aramco oil facility. And I've been, I've been trying to watch as much of the news uh, on the internet and the analysis of this thing. And quite frankly, I'm baffled. I'm mystified. So anyway, we're going to look at a Zero Hedge article, then an article from uh, a website called Raw Story, and then uh, a rather lengthy piece of uh, analysis that came out at Moon over Alabama. Now, the problem here is, as everybody knows, is Saudi Arabia is pointing the finger at Iran. Iran is saying no. Uh, the Trump administration said, well, we don't know. We're waiting to hear from the Saudis. And the problem, the fly in the ointment for me is, well, why would Iran do this, uh, risk risk retaliation or further sanctions? And I can't find any good reason why it would do so. Why would the Saudis, you know, they're kind of crazy, so I don't put anything past them or the people in Tehran. But again, why would the Saudis attack themselves? Um, so the question is, who's really behind this and why? So I want to start out with uh, someone in the chat room said Australia. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's Australia either, but you never know <laughs> these days with things being so crazy. All right, so let's start out with a zero hedge article that appeared three days ago, and uh, the article's titled "U.S. Officials Aramco Attack Came from Iranian Soil." Secretary of State Pompeo to release evidence. And we're still kind of waiting for that evidence, Mr. Pompeo. Anyway, here we go. It says, quote, despite U.S. officials repeatedly over the weekend claiming they were certain <laughs> attacks came from Iraqi soil, likely from Iran-backed militias acting as proxies, they've now changed their tune to lined up behind the latest Saudi military assessment, okay? Now, um, first it came from Iraq, but no, that's wrong. Now it's coming fr directly from Iranian soil, according to the Saudis. Problem that I have there, obviously the Saudis have their chestnuts in this game, and therefore, anything they say should be taken with a whole lot of salt, um, a few grains of suspicion. Anyway, continuing, U.S. officials have told Fox that the attacks originated from Iranian soil, which is the first time such a direct challenge has been issued since the early Saturday morning crisis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Meanwhile... In this rapidly changing whodunit narrative, one key piece of recent history should not be forgotten after the Saudis announced Monday their belief that Iranian weapons were behind the attack based on an initial investigation. However, 
The coming hours will be interesting given a Saudi coalition spokesman said that photos will soon be released proving U.S. Saudi the U.S. Saudi position, which points the finger at Iran. Mike Pompeo is also said to be prepping a report in which gives a U.S. assessment of the evidence. And still awkwardly amid all these claims and counterclaims, after both Iran and Iraq have vehemently denied having any involvement, Yemen's Houthis have consistently and firmly admitted responsibility with no change in their original narrative. Okay? Now, I'm skipping a bit here. After the U.S. apparently ruled out Iraq as a launching pad on Monday following Baghdad's firm, renial, firm denial, it looks like Riyadh appears to be pointing to a potential direct cruise missile or drone attack from Iran. Now, okay, folks, cruise missiles is what Saudi Arabia is saying, coming directly from Iran. If that's the case, I think we'd be seeing a lot more uh, generalized type of damage than what we're seeing. That's my little problem there. Skipping now in this Zero Hedge article uh, to one more paragraph. Quote, saying there was no link to Iraqi soil and that the, the attack which caused oil prices to spike to record levels the moment markets opened, initially surging to as much as 18% before retreating after President Trump authorized the use of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to keep the markets well supplied, the Iraqi government further vowed to punish anyone who intended to use Iraq as a launch pad for strikes in the region. And so that's zero hedge. In other words, we don't really know who did this, all right? Now, I want to go to an article that's at a website called Raw Story. This will be posted for you folks uh, on, on the YouTube uh, posting once I get it up there. But this one is very interesting. I want you to listen very carefully. There's, there's uh, five paragraphs in this article that I find are very interesting. This is dated yesterday. So apparently this, this uh, event just occurred a day ago. Listen careful. Carefully, I should say. Disputing Trump's claims, this is the title of the article, Japan says there's no evidence Iran was behind the Saudi attack. Quote, we are not aware of any information that points to Iran, unquote, said the Japanese defense minister, Taro Kono. Japanese Defense Minister Taro Kono told reporters Wednesday that he has not seen any intelligence. In other words, this is Japan talking here, folks. In other words, a country with spy satellites, okay, in addition to the usual, you know, human agents on the ground, all right? So let's read that again. Japanese Defense Minister Taro Kono told reporters Wednesday that he has not seen any intelligence indicating Iran was behind the attacks on Saudi Arabian oil facilities over the weekend, contradicting Saudi and Trump administration claims about the incident. Quoting again, 
We are not aware of any information that points to Iran, unquote, Kono said during a press briefing, quote, we believe the Houthis carried out the attack based on the statement claiming responsibility, unquote. The only evidence the Trump administration has released to substantiate its claim of Iranian responsibility are satellite photos that experts said are not clear enough to assign blame. Let me read that one again. The only evidence the Trump administration has released to substantiate its claim of Iranian responsibility, <coughs> pardon me, are satellite photos that experts said are not clear enough to assign blame. Retired General Mark Hurtling, a CNN intelligence analyst, said the images, quote, really don't show anything other than pretty good accuracy on the strike of the oil tanks, unquote. Kono said that Japan, an ally of both Iran and the U.S., is still in the process of determining who was behind the attacks, which were allegedly carried out by drones. Skipping several paragraphs here. The defense minister's statement is the second time this year that Japan has contradicted the Trump administration's attempt to pin an attack on Iran with insufficient evidence. Now, recall the earlier attack was really the administration versus President Trump because the president was kind of reluctant. And given some of the things that he's been saying with this one, it appears to me that, again, he's kind of reluctant so it appears to me, I don't know, you guys may disagree, but it appears to me that, once again, if this is coming from within the Western deep state, that someone may be trying to push Trump into a precipitate action, just like they've tried before with Syria. They tried it with President Obama, with Iran, uh, that someone wants to push this thing kind of like they were trying to push Kennedy into an invasion of Cuba during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So I think we're looking at kind of the same scenario here. It's some faction, if it's coming from within the West. That's a big if. We're going to get to that in a minute. Anyway, continuing. The defense minister's statement is the second time this year Japan has contradicted the Trump administration's attempt to pin an attack on Iran with insufficient evidence. In June... As Common Dreams reported, the Trump administration blamed Iran for an explosion that damaged a Japanese oil tanker in the Gulf of Iman. Yutaka Kataka, uh, pardon me, uh, Katada, the president of the Japanese company that owned the tanker, publicly disputed the White House's account of the attack. And that, incidentally, recall that tanker incident, was when Prime Minister Shinzo Abe of Japan was in Tehran. And to me, that was the biggest telltale sign that, no, Iran is not going to attack a Japanese freighter. While the Japanese prime minister, nutty as the people running Iran are, they're not going to do that while the Japanese prime minister is in Iran. Because, you know, Japan is going to find out about it sooner or later if they did. So before we get to my shoot-in-the-dark, high-octane speculation of the day. And hey, folks, on this one, my high-octane speculation is not any better or any worse than anybody else's. Uh, I kind of want to do this to see what everybody else is thinking about this. I'm just going to tell you what I'm thinking about it. All right, there's a third article I want to link here. 
to this story. And this one is at the moon of Alabama. And I, I've been watching these stories about the analysis of the damage on this, this Saudi oil facility. And it seems to be more or less an emerging consensus from, you know, the, the alternative research field on the internet that are looking and asking friends that work in the petroleum industry and so on, that these were very precisely uh, aimed and targeted attacks. In other words, people knew the layout of the plant very well. They knew what to target. And suspiciously, there are some people saying that this was targeted when the damage and I don't know if this is true or not, but there are some people saying that this was targeted at a time when the tanks were more or less full and therefore that the damage would be relatively minimal had the tanks been half full or something. And I don't understand this. If you're in the petroleum industry, maybe you can correct me if I'm misstating this. I probably am. But that the damage would have been much more substantial had it occurred when the levels in the tanks were, were different. So in other words... Some people are thinking that that's a little sign or telltale clue that this was somehow an inside job, and I'm not discounting that. But anyway, I want to go to the moon over Alabama, and this article that I will link titled Damage at Saudi Oil Plant Points to Well-Targeted Swarm Attack. And I'm just going to read some paragraphs from this article. This is a very good article, so I'll link it so that you can look at it. So the first paragraph I want to read states this, quote, Secretary Pompeo uh, states that Tehran is behind nearly 100 attacks on Saudi Arabia while Rouhani and Zarif pretend to engage in diplomacy. Amid the calls for de-escalation, Iran has now launched an unprecedented attack on the world's energy supply. There is no evidence the attacks came from Yemen. We call on all nations publicly and unequivocally to condemn Iran's attacks. The United States will work with our partners and allies to ensure that energy markets remain well supplied and Iran is held accountable for this aggression. Now, let's stop and analyze that. I do agree that it's unlikely that the Yemeni claim to have done this is true because the sophistication of the attacks and the equipment used kind of rule them out. It has to come from a much more technologically advanced, militarily sophisticated player. Pardon me here. Bad sinus today, folks. But what's really interesting is to ask the question, would Iran have done such an attack without consulting its major allies, China and Russia? Now, they may have. They're, they're that nutty. But my suspicion is probably not. And if they did consult, the Russians and the Chinese are being very tight-lipped about this. So it's their response right now that has me wondering just what the heck is going on. Was this a rogue element within Iran? Who knows? Again, I don't know. But I'm throwing all of this out there to start getting people to start thinking about this because there's too many discrepancies in this cobbled together official narrative. Now, I'm skipping several paragraphs here. The pictures, and you can see the pictures in this article, the pictures show some 17 points of impact. There are cars visible in the second more detailed picture that demonstrate the gigantic size of the place. 
The targets were carefully selected. At least 11 of those were egg-shaped tanks with a diameter of some 30 meters or about 100 feet. These likely tanks are likely tanks for pressurized or liquid, liquefied gas that receive the condensate vapor from the stabilization process. They all have now quite neat holes in their upper shells. The piping to and from the egg-shaped tanks shows that these were configured in groups with double redundancy. Two tanks beside each other sharing one piping system. Two of such twin tanks are next to each other with their lines to the processing train. There are a total of three such groups. Damage to any one tank or group would not stop the production process. The products would be routed to another or similar tank or group. But with all of the tanks of this one special type taken out, the production chain is now interrupted. I'm continuing for just a few more paragraphs here. Consultancy Rapidon Energy Group said the images of the Abcock facility after the attack showed about five of its stabilization towers appeared to have been destroyed and would take months to rebuild, something that could curtail output for a prolonged period. However, Saudi Aramco keeps some redundancy in the system to maintain production during maintenance, Rapidan added, meaning operations could return to a pre-attack level sooner. The targeting for this attack was done with detailed knowledge of the process and its dependencies. The north arrow in these pictures points to the left. The visible shadows confirm the direction. The holes in the tanks are on the western side. They were attacked from the west. Now, stop again, folks, and remember the Saudi claim that these were cruise missiles launched directly by Iran. So in other words, Iran fired its cruise missiles from Iran and then looped them, shot them west, and then looped them back to attack the facility. That's a rather sophisticated attack. And it's kind of, in my opinion, unlikely. All right? Continuing. The hits were extremely precise. The Yemeni armed forces claimed it attacked the facility with 10 drones, which means you can't get 17 holes out of 10 drones, at least not to my knowledge, you can't. Maybe you can with some sort of special weaponry mounted on the things, but that seems a little suspicious. The hits on these targets look like neither. In other words, they don't look like drone hits. A total of 17 hits with such precise targeting lets me assume that these were some kind of drones or missiles with man-in-the-loop control. They may have been launched from within Saudi Arabia. There is no information yet on the damage in Quraysh, the second target of the, the attacks. Here we come to it, folks. The U.S. and Israel are able to commit such attacks. Iran probably too. And since we're talking about the people with the capability to do this, Russia, 
China, Japan, India, you know, the usual suspects, okay? Yemen seems unlikely to have this capability without drawing on extensive support from elsewhere, and I totally agree with that. The planning for this operation must have taken months. Skipping several paragraphs here. The strikes knocked out 5.7 million barrels of daily production, and the officials said they still believe they can fully replace it in coming days. That would require tapping oil inventories and using other facilities to process crude. One of the main targets of the attack was a large crude processing plant in the Abcock region. All right. Now, skipping to the end of this article, three more paragraphs here. Um, any direct, pardon me, this is coming from President Trump. Saudi oil supply was attacked. This is one of his tweets. There's reason to believe that we know the culprit are locked and loaded depending on the verification and are waiting to hear from the kingdom as to who they believe was the cause of this attack and under what terms we should proceed. Making it sound like, well, the Saudis are in the driver's seat here, okay? Any direct attack on Iran would result in swarms of missiles hitting U.S. military installations in the United Arab Emirates and Qatar. Saudi water de desalination plants, refineries, and ports would also be targets. The Middle East Eye, a Qatari-financed outlet, reported yesterday that the attack was launched from Iraq by Iran-aligned forces in revenge for Israeli attacks in Syria. The author, David Hurst, <coughs> is known for slandered or slanted reporting. The report is based on a single anonymous Iraqi intelligence source. Qatar, which is struggling with Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates over its support for the Muslim Brotherhood, would like to see a larger conflict involving its rivals east and west of the Persian Gulf. The report should therefore be disregarded. Saudi Arabia has no defenses against this kind of attack. The U.S., listen carefully, folks, the U.S. has no system that could be used for that purpose. Russia is the only country that can provide the necessary equipment. It would be extremely costly and still inefficient to protect all of Saudi's uh, Arabia's vital facilities from similar swarm attacks. And that's all of the stuff that I've been gathering today. So let's ask the question, besides the people technologically capable of it, as we've seen, United States, Israel, Iran, maybe even the Saudis themselves, and the usual great power suspects that have the technology, Russia, China, Japan, India, Germany, France, Italy, England, you know, the usual list of suspects, all right? So I'm wondering, how does this play out? Is this an attack that was done to upset the economy by some faction in the deep state to embarrass President Trump and get him out of office? No, I don't think so. There's people out there talking that. But I think if you're playing a geopolitical game this big, you have to have much higher targets in mind. So what's going on here? 
if the price of oil moves up, if as a result of these attacks, the production of oil goes down and the price of oil goes up, who benefits from that? And this is a very odd list. And again, it, it throws everything into a cocked hat. If the price of oil goes up, well, first heading the list is Russia, okay? Because a lot of their, a lot of their national uh, gross domestic product is coming from energy, specifically oil and natural gas. Now, we in the West have it in our heads that the only thing propping up the Russian economy is energy, and that's absolute baloney, okay? But it certainly would help the Russians if the price of oil went up and they stood to gain from it because then they would start filling in the supply lacking to some of their partners. Who else benefits from a high price of oil? Well, it's the United States because a higher price of oil makes those fracking fields, once again, more cost-efficient, cost-productive. Who else does it benefit? Well, it happens to benefit Iran, obviously. So it's a strange list of people that this benefits. It doesn't benefit the Saudis because without production facilities, they're not in the market, okay? So strangely enough, the attacks on the Saudi fields benefit a very unusual group of people. Who does it harm? Well, Japan, obviously, China, obviously, and Europe and Saudi Arabia. So the geopolitical and financial aspect of this is very puzzling because the people benefiting are a very unlikely trio of people and the people being hurt are not the ones you'd think. So I'm wondering what exactly is going on here. Are we really, and this is my, my scenario that I've just outlined there, is in my noggin for one very important question. And the question is this, are we really looking at a, um, a state actor or are we looking at corporate actors or are we looking at some sort of uh, international cabal behind this? Let's not forget that there are actors like that in this whole game too that have been around, in my opinion, for a very long time, at least since the end of the Second World War. So what are we looking at here? I suspect that it's the question of who benefits financially, qui bono, who benefits financially from this, that ultimately may hold the clue here. And this is why I suspect that there is, in fact, so much confusion in this story because they can't figure out who did this. Who had the motivations, thinking in terms of simple state actors, to have done this? Now, don't get me wrong, folks. I think those people in Tehran and Riyadh are nut jobs, okay? But And I think they're capable of just about anything, so I'm not excluding that. But I'm saying when you step back and you look at it from the standpoint of conventional geopolitical analysis, this one seems to be having everyone scratching their heads. They can't figure out. Who has the motivation to do this? And when you start putting it in terms of oil production, money, and so on, the picture changes completely. And there are some interesting actors that might have pulled this off. Um, could this be a false flag? Yeah, it could. But if you're going to do a false flag, you have to do it a lot better than this. 
you have to have a clear, and this is why I have questions even that it's a false flag. If it's a false flag, you have to have clear, quote-unquote, evidence that you've planted to make sure and indisputable that whoever it is that you want to take the blame is going to take the blame. Think of that big false flag uh, thing that Hitler used to start World War II, the supposed Polish attack on a German radio station across the border. Well, what did they do? They planted a bunch of bodies at the radio station, shot even a bunch of Germans themselves to make it look, you know, really uh, official, really realistic, and a bunch of bodies with the uniforms of the Polish army to make it look like there had been a border invasion. Uh, So in other words, if you're going to do a false flag, you have to point the finger to a culprit, a a culprit clearly and unequivocally. And that again is, has been a huge failure here. If indeed this was a false flag within three days, Japan is saying, we don't believe the story. So in other words, I have questions, even that this was a false flag. If it was a false flag, the attack itself was well-planned, but the narrative was not. And that's why I don't think it was a false flag. So what's going on here? I don't know. Um, give me your thoughts and comments about what you guys think is going on. Some of you may have found some uh, more interesting or different types of articles analyzing all of this. Uh, I pulled that one from Moon uh, Moon of Alabama because I thought that was a very interesting analysis. Anyway, that's it for today's news and views. The Nefarium is up to its usual tricks, folks. Don't forget, tomorrow we do not have a vid chat. I will be busy this week, uh, this weekend. Uh, the next vid chat, <coughs> pardon me, will be on uh, next Friday. So that's it, everybody. I will see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, and God bless. <laughs>